Hi, everyone. Welcome to the MBA Insider Podcast. I am your host, Al D, and the author of MBA Insider. This podcast is for career-driven professionals looking for advice on how to grow their careers by leveraging the skills, experiences, and knowledge gained from an MBA degree. In each episode, I'll give you a look into the business school experience, along with practical tips, career advice, and real-life stories to help professionals grow their careers. Welcome to the MBA Insider Podcast. My name is Al D. I'm the host of the MBA Insider Podcast and founder of MBA Schooled. Today, my guest is Carolyn Nohale, who is a, MBA, a graduate of Duke Fuqua's School of Business and someone who has worked in the digital health space. And I'm excited to have Carolyn on the podcast today to talk to her a little bit more about digital health and what she's up to. So to start, Carolyn, first off, thank you so much for joining me. I'm really excited to talk to you a little bit more, but why don't you maybe introduce yourself and give us a little bit of your background? Great. Well, thank you so much, Al, for having me here today on MBA School. I just want to say I've been you know, really honored to be part of this podcast, especially because my experience in business school was such a pivotal time in my career and so valuable for me. So I'm always happy to talk about my, my journey there and share that with others who are pursuing a similar path. So a little background on me. I um, graduated from my undergrad in biochemistry, did a short stint in industry at Edwards Life Sciences, and then went to Duke, where I pursued my master's in biomedical engineering and my MBA. And after that, I transitioned into product management at large medical device companies, Boston Scientific and Stryker, and around four and a half years ago, transitioned into the digital health space when it was very nascent, right? It was on the horizon at that point. I joined Verily Life Sciences pretty early on, had a pretty incredible four and a half years there working across a number of different functions and recently left to take some time off. Um, so that's a little bit around my journey. And um, one of the things that I'm working on now is actually developing a site for students and other professionals who are en- interested in entering the space of digital health so they can gain access to career advice and learn more about the space, especially for MBA students. That's great. And I can't wait to have you talk a little bit more about that, but maybe just to drill down into a little bit more about your experience and in, in going to business school in the first place. Um, so I know you mentioned you worked at Edwards, but could you maybe share a little bit more about what drove you to go and get that MBA and to go to Fuqua? Yeah, great question. So I had done my undergrad in biochemistry. I worked in a research lab and I was on the PhD path. I was actually really excited about it but I wasn't sure. And that's why I took the job at Edwards Life Sciences because I wanted to understand what the corporate world was like, what it meant to like develop products and and impact healthcare. I had a great experience there. I worked in the biology labs as the key interface between the testing side of the business and all of the development teams. So I basically worked with engineers across the entire business to um, help them understand what testing they had to do for biology, chemistry, and microbiology such that the FDA um, would approve their products. So through that, I um, gained an understanding of what it meant to develop medical devices. I became very interested in that space. And I actually went to Duke first for my master's in biomedical engineering. Now my plan was that I would show up on campus, do engineering coursework during the day, and hang out at the business school at night and start a company. So I showed up at Duke with this grand mission. I was gonna start a company, I was super excited about it. And I did just that. I started working on a startup, 
um, an implantable device to treat epilepsy and hung out at the business school. And what happened was I made friends with the students there and I got a feel for the culture. I mean, people talk a lot about Team Fuqua, but I really got to feel it firsthand. And some of my friends are like, you know, if you're interested in business down the line, why don't you just apply now? So what I did is I basically pitched the university a joint degree program with biomedical engineering and the MBA. I said, you know, this is a coursework I've completed in engineering. I think I can fit it in with an MBA. They said, go take the GMAT. Let's see how you do. Long story short, I ended up coming in, I guess, third round um, into this, you know, third round admissions at the MBA to do this joint degree. So I was the only engineering MBA joint degree at the school. But um, I think, you know, the lesson here is, I guess, luck favors the prepared, right? I had my eyes open. I was enjoying my engineering classwork. I was interested in business. I figured, why don't I give it a shot? Let me pitch this idea. And the school was supportive and I was really thankful for it. I love that story and I absolutely think you're right. I think the quote I come to think about is fortune favors the bold, which is very much what you did and what is very similar to what you had said. But I also think what's really great about that is I think so much of business today is interdisciplinary. And I think you're an example of that in terms of being able to combine the elements of your past and, and also your deep expertise in engineering and, and science with and, and, and medicine and now, you know, with business as well. And so it sounds like you were able to articulate that into an actual educational path for you, you know, as well, and certainly furthered it since then in the business world. But going more into a little bit of your time at Fuqua, would you talk a little bit about some of the more transformative experiences you know, that you had, you know, because certainly you did your engineering piece, but there was also this business piece there. And I would just love to hear you maybe share a little bit about what you did within your time in business school that really helped propel you forward in your career. Yep. No, that's a great question. Um, what I would say is, uh, let's step back. You know, I, I came because, you know, I came to Duke because I wanted to strengthen my engineering background. I wanted to start a company and I saw myself on the business side in the future. And so where I put most of my time was really into this startup. Um, we built a business case and, you know, got feedback from a lot of experts in the, in the field. We did market research. We were building prototypes. You know, there was a number of engineers on my team. We ended up competing in a number of the startup challenges. So we competed in Duke, Maryland, a few others. We actually the, won the Duke startup challenge in 2008. And I would say that was really the core of my experience there. And what I loved about it is, I mean, I leveraged the business side, I love the engineering side. And I think the skills that I, I really took from this experience was how to develop a business case and how to pitch an idea and sell an idea. Um, and these are skills that no matter what you do after business school are really valuable. So as I mentioned earlier, I transitioned to product after. And the reason I did that is I was entrepreneurial, but I didn't feel it was the right time for me to start a business. I wanted to better understand the clinical and regulatory landscape. But this is how I got the product job is because I had that experience developing that business case and selling it um, and convincing people, you know, to grant us money in these business plan competitions. So what I'd recommend, you know, if I were to think back, like what, what I really uh, appreciated about the experience and recommend to others is do experiential learning when you're there. You know, if you've got gaps in your background, um, this is a great time to fill it, either volunteering, starting a company, you know, trying something new. I think the MBA is a great time to flex new muscles and gain those new skill sets. I think you're absolutely right. And sometimes 
and hopefully as someone who's worked as a product manager, you'll appreciate this, but I use the metaphor of how product managers sometimes think about experimentation, right? And, 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 and using kind of some of those methods of product development and agile um, to test and learn in business school, right? If to your point, if you think you have a skill you wanna develop or something you wanna try out, um, do a, run an experiment, make it an MVP, try it out, do it, get some feedback on it, iterate off it, and if it's going well, keep going with it and do it further. Um, or if it doesn't go well, learn from it and try something else. But it is a great chance because of the fact of, number one, you have the time, uh, but number two, the vast amount of resources, right, at a particular program like Fuqua, um, to go and try these things, or even just the insights and the feedback that you get from experts uh, in the program, in the MBA program or the engineering program or whatever, um, that just has so much, some value and insight there. And so I, I really encourage uh, people to kind of use that experimentation mindset that a product manager might have if, as they're trying to test out a new feature or something like that. Um, great. So talk to me a little bit more about, you mentioned you got into product management and you got into this role coming out of Fuqua, but I also noticed that you entered the work, re-entered the workforce at a time that was pretty challenging in terms of it being still kind of coming out of the recession in the, around the 2009, 2010 timeframe. Could you share a little bit more about how you were able to not only position yourself to get land that role in product management, but to do so at a time that was particularly challenging to get hired? Yes. So I think you're, you're right on. It was a challenging time to get hired. 2010 was rough. Uh, what I did is I zeroed in on what I wanted to do. I was fortunate. Like I had a pretty clear vision that I wanted to work in upstream marketing for implantable class three medical devices, which upstream marketing in the medical device world is very similar to product management. We call ourselves product managers. With that, there were around eight companies that I was very interested in. Some were startups, some were larger companies. I had narrowed them down based upon the industry. Like neuro was hot, like neuromodulation. There were a couple other applications. I, I focused in those areas and I reached out to them early in my second year established relationships. Most was actually off campus. Um, and I just continued those relationships throughout the year. And I was honestly pretty relentless. I knew what I wanted and I was going after it. I looked at my finances. I figured out how long I could survive. I mean, I, I tried to be very practical about this. And the interesting thing was I, um, I had interned twice at Boston Scientific over the summers. Second summer, I had a really special internship between business development and basically um, their R&D side, right? So it was a special new markets group. They didn't have room for you know, somebody to come on full-time after, and I totally understood that. It was a really small team, but they connected me over to neuromodulation, and I interviewed with them in September. Well, I think I got my offer in May, and the reason was they liked me in September, but they said, we need somebody right away. So I kept in touch with them, and then once a the role opened up in May, I got that role. Now, I'm going to be honest with you guys, like it was, um, it was stressful, right? To wait till the end of the second year, but I'm so glad I did because I ended up in an amazing job. Um, at that time, Boston Scientific Neuromodulation was launching product after product after product. And it's pretty difficult to get concept through launch experience and medical, implantable medical devices within four years, but I was able to do it. So I think what I learned from that is, you know, be practical, learn, you know, what, what is your runway? Be honest with yourself on that, but then go for what you want. And I think people can see that passion. I think they saw it in me and that's what helped 
um, that's what helped me kind of work this out. I think that's great. So a couple of things there that I heard, which I think are valuable, particularly because I do think in general, it's, it's, it's a little bit of a challenge to get hired right now, but in particular for MBAs, very much so. So number one, having a clear vision of what you're, of what you want that I think definitely, definitely helps. And certainly did in your case, I think to your, to your other point is just having the confidence to see that through. Um, and I think it sometimes it's hard when you look to the left and you look to the right and you do either see people who, you know, converted their summer internship offers and, and had them, um, or who are picking up stuff. And so having the confidence to keep going with it and certainly getting some experience through the, through your second year was really valuable there. But I would love if you maybe might share a little bit more about, you know, some of the tactics you use that really helped you um, land that opportunity, right? Either whether it was through networking or just um, finding opportunities, because I think that would be really valuable for, for people to hear about how you were able to, to do it. Yep. Okay. So I've actually have three kind of, good, I think, good examples of how I've opened up opportunities. So Boston Scientific, we'll start with that one. Um, as I mentioned before, I networked and was consistent. I formed a good relationship with that team and, uh, you know, kept in touch with them until a role opened. And I did that pretty much kind of similar tactics across all the companies I was speaking to. That's, that's that role. Uh, I'll talk also about Verily. So I transitioned to Verily, gosh, it was January 2016 is when I got the job. So if you guys think back, that's on the eve of digital health. Digital health wasn't a thing the way it is today, right? It was, it was pretty nascent at that time. I didn't know anybody at the company. Uh, the way that I got in is I had moved to Silicon Valley. I was working in implantable medical devices at Stryker. I actually really liked my job. I was having a great time. And at the same time, I wanted to understand what was going on around me, you know, in the Bay Area. I knew that software was huge. My um, now husband's a software engineer, so I was hearing about it all the time. And so I was curious. And so I started going to these Girl Geek events. Now, these were events that big tech companies hosted because there was such a dearth of women in computer science. And they would open their doors, show off their cool toys, have their, you know, their execs um, speak over dinner. And you got to meet all these interesting people. So it was a night that I showed up at Intel. I have no business at Intel, right? You know, that, that's, a, that's a business very different than where I was working. I showed up simply because I was curious and I wanted to meet people and just learn something new. So I had no agenda, showed up there, was talking about my experience as striker, and somebody overheard me and said, hey, you know, you sound like you'd be great for the Google Life Sciences team. I work at Google. And at the time, I actually paused and said, well, I, I really like my job. You know, I'm not looking to move right now. But I thought, you know what? I'm really curious about how Google innovates. And so I ended up sharing my resume with her. She sent it in and I ended up getting the job. And the reason they hired me, I had no background in digital health. The reason they hired me is I'd pushed products concept through launch. I'd worked with external parties and they brought me in as an alliance manager. They were also interested in neuromodulation where my background was, even though they weren't talking about it at the time. So I think the moral of the story, you know, for this Verily example is if you're curious and you start, you know, inserting yourself in new circles new opportunities are going to come up when you least expect them. Okay. So that's kind of the second way is get out there, network, meet people that are different than you and opportunities will come up. The third is actually how I got my job at Edwards. So back, this was back when I was an undergrad, but I think this applies throughout your career. I remember hearing about this Edwards program. Uh, it was an engineering rotation development program. It's an amazing program. They still, I, I believe they still run it today. 
And the application for this program, you know, explained it. And at the bottom, it said mechanical engineer, you know, mechanical, electrical engineers, computer science, physics, and other science can apply. And I tried to apply and it kicked me out. The system wouldn't let me in. It was because I was biology. I said, well, they said other science. So I actually went into my resume. I changed myself to a mechanical engineer. And then in my cover letter said, I'm actually not a mechanical engineer. I'm a biology student, but you said other science. Well, lo and behold, I showed up the, during the info session and I was the only non-engineer there. I had gotten an interview slot and the place was overflowing. I'm like, how in the world did I get this interview slot? And ends up, they had recognized my resume and there was a biology role opening. And so they had handpicked me for that. Ends up, I got the job. So that's another one is don't be deterred. You know, if some silly red tape gets in your way, what I did was completely ethical. I told them in my cover letter, you know, what I had done. Um, but I ended up getting a job because of that. So be creative. I think that's, that's, uh, that's one of my mantras. I think that's a great, I think those are all great stories. I have a friend who did something, sim uh, something similar where he was interested in roles in product marketing. And when I looked at his resume, he had different titles for what he had done. But I kind of said to him, I said, this sounds like product marketing to me. Why don't you just change your title to just to product marketing and see what happens. And, and so he did. And then all of a sudden, you know, he started getting, um, he started getting responses just by changing um, the, the title. And, and when they asked him about his experience, he talked about it, didn't mention the fact that it was called something different, but just talked about the skills and experiences that were of value and relevant to the role and why he thought he was a good fit. Um, sure enough, it, it worked out. Um, so I think for me, one of the things I take away from it is that if you do get, if you do get put with a blocker of some sort, but you're still interested in it and feel like you can make a good case for it, you know, go for it. The worst they can say is no. Um, and I think that um, being able to think creatively to push beyond just whatever artificial boundaries put up, um, again, fortune favors the bull. So I think that's a, I think that's a really, I think that's really fantastic. So I, I know I asked you a little bit about some of your, the, the tactical things that you did, which then enabled you to talk a little bit more about um, some of your experience post, uh, post Fuqua. But would you maybe share a little bit more, you know, specifically about some of the roles you took on or, um, you know, how you all, just just generally after your, your MBA at Fuqua and, you know, what you did or what you worked on? I think you mentioned, um, you know, Boston Scientific and a little bit of Verily. Sure. So Boston Scientific, my, my role is a product manager. And, you know, for the medical device world, the way I describe product is, you handle a lot of the market research to understand, hey, what are we going to build? You build the business case around new products or programs, you know, get funding for them. And then you are the, the leader on the team uh, with regard to the user needs, right? What, is this, what does this need to be? What is value does it need to provide to the user? And you work closely with engineering to develop the product and ultimately launch it. So that's the core of my experience, I would say, you know, over my entire career, really was built at Boston Scientific after my MBA. And, you know, during that time, I, you know, worked on products concept through launch and ended up owning a portfolio by the end, which was a great experience. Um, when I moved on from there, I actually moved to Stryker, which was a company that was previously owned by Boston Scientific, similar role in product management. What motivated the move was for me to move to the Bay Area. I actually wanted to move closer to home. I grew up in Silicon Valley. I wanted to come back. So what I thought was really interesting there, I had the exact same role, you know, product manager, similar title, similar level, but the experience was completely different because the market was completely different. 
And it kind of kicked me in the butt a little bit. You know, I came there thinking, I know product management, I know how to do this job. And then when sometimes when you make a change like that, you realize how different one market can be from the next and you have to flex different muscles. So for example, with, with Stryker, or I should say neurovascular market, it's much smaller. The customer base is very, very different. Their needs are different. Um, and the way you communicate with them is different. Their conference structure is different. The way they support your products is different. And um, so I actually really appreciated that that experience because it showed me how big the world is, right? You think, you think you're an expert? Well, move over a little and you'll have things to learn. So I had a great experience at Stryker. Um, I talked a little bit about my transition to Verily. Once I came to Verily, my core role at the company was as alliance manager. And I didn't really know what alliance management was, to be honest, before I went there. But it's, it's a role that's very popular, kind of on the pharma side, um, where there's a lot of partnerships. Back in the day, medical device didn't leverage partnerships as much, but they're doing more of it now. The, the core of the role is to um, manage these agreements between companies. Um, they're developing products or commercializing products, that type of thing. And basically you look after the government governance, the decisions that are being made, making sure the relationship's healthy, handling any renegotiations, which can happen, which can actually be really good. Sometimes the companies think of, hey, there's a new product. Um, they may have an idea for a new product and then you, you kind of build out um, the plan for what you're doing together. So that's, that was alliance management. I really enjoyed that role. I loved working with other companies. And after that, you know, I took more of a program lead role for a bit, uh, managing one of the disease management programs. And then finally, I helped out with the, the COVID testing sites. Many of you guys have probably heard. Um, you know, barely launched a number of, of COVID testing sites to kind of battle this, uh, this pandemic. And so I was on the ops side there. So I think that's my, my barely experience in a nutshell. Um, it was definitely really exciting to kind of grow and, and work with the company. And I'm excited to see kind of where I end up next. Yeah. And thank you for walking us through that. So a couple of things there. Number one, I totally agree with you. I know we work in slightly different industries, but on the alliance and partnership side. And I think the lesson there and what I hope MBA students also realize is that um, companies have many levers they need to pull in terms of getting their products in the market. And sometimes it means going, in some industries, it means going direct to consumers. Uh, other times it's through a sales team. And other times it's through the indirect channel like partnerships. And so I really encourage people to really think about when they're looking at companies or verticals, just how does the product land in the hands of the end consumer? Right. And it can be in a lot of different ways. And, and it really can vary sometimes, even if you think of something like tech, right? Like the way that, um, you know, a, a company like Dell goes to market is going to be very different than a way that um, a pure software company goes to market versus a company with, with specifically like an app that they sell. Um, so just a pontification there, just about the different modes of going to market. And, and also, but that also gives a lot of opportunity for, I think, particularly for MBA students who have some good skill sets based off of some of the things you described in terms of being able to manage relationships, being able to manage partnerships, all those kinds of things. But the other thing which you said, which I'm hoping you can maybe talk a little bit about within the context of career lessons, you know, you had mentioned that uh, even though you had stayed in the same kind of like lane of like product management, you had to flex an entirely different set of muscles when you took on that new role. And so as you think about maybe some of those career lessons you've learned, um, you know, through your times, you know, after Fuqua, would you mind maybe summarizing some of the important, some of those important lessons? Yes. So, well, let me answer the first part 
first. You said, you know, I had to flex different muscles after product management. Absolutely. And that's why I made the change. So in product, you focus on the product. In alliances, you focus on the partner. That's very different, right? Now you're thinking of the partner, regardless of how your, your arrangement is constructed, you think of that partner as your customer um, or your, your equal, right? You're marching down the road with them. You're aligned to that with them, you know, towards the vision. And how do you keep that relationship healthy and bring whatever it is you're developing to fruition? So you're thinking a lot about dynamics between the companies, within that company, within your company. You're thinking about what priorities, what the priorities are, what decisions do we have to make? Um, and also you're helping the teams work well together. So that's somewhere I'd like to pause. You know, we talk a lot in business school about you know, working well in teams, supporting people, working across cultures. I've worked on partnerships with folks in Europe, folks in Asia. You've got time zone differences. You have culture differences. You know, what you learn in business school, what I learned, you know, about working with others was very, very helpful um, for that. So I think it was actually a lot of the, the product skills of focusing on something and making it great and make it, you know, being creative that I just shifted that you know, lens and focused on a relationship instead. Um, and I, I'm really glad that I kind of had that breadth of experience. So I think, you know, what are the lessons learned in my career overall since business school? Uh, I love the fortune favors the bold. I think that's definitely one of them. So Al, thanks for, for sharing that expression. Basically go for it. If you're interested in something, just go for it. What's the worst thing that's going to happen? They're going to say no. You know, I've had people say to me, wow, like, you know, your, your career, you, you know, it looks like you've been so successful, what have you. And I'm like, you have to realize for every one of those things that I've gotten, I've tried so many different avenues, right? It's not always yes. And that's normal. If you're hearing yes all the time, you're not shooting high enough in my opinion. So, so that's number one, you know, go for it, go for what you want. The second thing is keep your eye on the horizon. I'm always doing that. So for example, you know, I was excited about my job when I was at Stryker, but I saw that there was kind of this revolution going on around me and I was just curious to know what was happening. Um, and that's how I ended up getting picked up for Verily. So if you're curious about things, if you see something budding, you know, a new field budding, keep your eye on it. Um, if you're interested in entering a new space, hang out with the people who are in that space, right? I think, um, you know, a key part of this too, I guess the third point is around networking. Um, always network. Do not wait until you need something to tap your network. Um, network is relationships, it's friends, it's mutual give and take. I think for those of you um, who haven't read it, I re recommend reading Adam Grant's uh, Give and Take. I think that book's excellent. It's the, it's the givers who I think um, end up propelling themselves forward, those who do favors for others and help others. I think that's really important. So I guess to summarize here, I know I've talked a lot. I think the first point is go for what you want. Don't be shy and don't be afraid of, of hearing no keep your eye on the horizon and always continue networking. I think those are all great pieces of advice. And I am a big fan of give and take. I remember reading the book actually right before I started business school because it had literally just come out and I loved what Adam was writing and what he was espousing and still very much recommend that book and try to practice elements of it to this day. So I absolutely hundred percent agree with you. That is a great book. If you're trying to learn the best ways to go about not only building relationships, but maintaining them in ways that just overall just enrich your life. So I, I love that suggestion. So we've kind of danced around it a little bit, but I, I would love to for you to maybe talk a little bit about more explicitly right now. Um, you know a lot about digital health, but in addition to that, I know you've spent a lot of time talking with MBA students or just career professionals 
you know, about digital health. So could you maybe share, you know, what do MBA students in particular, what do they need to know about digital health? Yep, great question. So what I'd say about digital health is number one, it's super hot right now. There's a lot of interest. So there's money flowing in from investors and there are jobs and there's just plain exciting stuff happening, right? And I think that's needless to say, um, obviously digital health has been very important as um, you know, we try to combat COVID. I think that's an obvious example, but there's a lot more out there. So I think it's a, a great place for folks to look, you know, for a job or to learn and, and network. Uh, I think the second thing to know is that you don't need a background in digital health to get in. So there are certain jobs that are maybe a little bit more unique, obviously the healthcare related jobs, but in, in the examples of that, or, you know, maybe people with background in healthcare strategy, something like that, right? But like any company, they need functions from all over the place, right? Like finance, um, obviously engineering, hardware and software, operations, product. Um, so I what I would say is if you're interested in this space, start learning about it. And most likely your skill set has a home, uh, even if you don't have digital health background. I think the third thing for you to be, you know, for folks to be aware of is um, a lot of the innovation is around the business model. So what you could see is there's a lot of software applications, a lot of leveraging data to understand who's at risk for, say, chronic disease down the line and intervening early. Uh, you know, all these different applications of hardware, software, tools, wearables, uh, the technology is there. The technology is super interesting, but I think what's I mean, personally, the most interesting is how do you commercialize that within the healthcare system today? You know, I'm seeing, you know, a shift and I'm hoping there'll be more of a shift over time towards value-based care. Um, and I think digital health will help to propel that. But the big question, no matter what the technology is or what the benefit is, is, you know, how, how are you going to commercialize that? And I think that's a really exciting place for folks you know, in their MBA and leaving their MBA to be part of and contribute to. Uh, I, thank you for that. I think that's a really great overview. And I think what you just said, particularly around the commercial commercialization and the go-to-market piece, I think really resonates with an MBA audience as they think about some of those concepts in terms of um, you know, who pays, how do they pay, you know, what port, or all of those types of things. So thank you for thank you for sharing about that. And I know that you have thought a lot about digital health over the years. And um, I also know you, I think you've been or taking a little bit of time off right now, but I know you've been keeping busy as well. So can you maybe share what you've been up to and, and what you've been working on so the rest of the listeners can, can learn more about how you're channeling all this knowledge and insights and experience around digital health? Sure. So, um, as, you know, as you mentioned, I've been taking some time off. I actually started in July and over the last couple of months, I've been working on a passion project, you know, getting it off the ground, which I'm really excited about. And this really stems back to kind of the, the four and a half, five years I had at Verily. I would hear from MBA students, undergrad students, other people interested in digital health would frequently reach out to me through alumni networks or on LinkedIn, asking questions about how did I get into digital health? You know, how do they get into digital health? What does it mean to work in digital health? A lot of questions around the space. And... Um, I love giving back. I love getting on the phone with folks. And I realized that a lot of times um, folks' questions were very similar. And I thought back to my time in school, my questions were very similar as well. These are the same things I wanted to know. So I um, actually shot videos of myself answering all these questions and put it at the time on carolynnohale.com. 
and started directing folks there um, and kind of sharing that out. And I realized that people would come back to me with like deeper questions and more nuanced questions. And this actually helped, helped enabled me to help people better. So when I got on the, you know, the phone with folks, we kind of dig into their personal situation. Um, and I thought, you know what, this has been a great kind of tool to, to share out my knowledge with folks who are kind of in the same seat that I was a number of years back. So I rallied some of my friends and colleagues in the digital health space and put together a site called Health Tech Hunches. And the purpose of this site is to enable students and other folks who are interested in entering the space to get um, advice, feedback, connections to folks who have experience in digital health. So, you know, if you go onto the site, what you can see is that there are three main things we provide. First, videos of ourselves answering those questions that we most frequently receive. And the benefit of this is if you're at home thinking, you know, how, how, did folks, how do folks get into digital health? You can just get on the site um, and go to the page that has all the questions organized, click on that box, and you've got everyone's answers about how they got into digital health, right? You've got, what, 10 people, however many we have right now, answering that same question from very diverse walks of life. So that's the first thing. The second thing is we're rolling out webinars every week. Uh, we're having these folks speak um, and answer questions. They're Ask Me Anything webinars. Um, and the third is, you know, some of these folks, bandwidth permitting, have opportunities to speak one-on-one. -on -one. I think the key thing here is everyone on the site like is passionate about giving back. We want to support the next generation of folks who enter digital health and we're making ourselves available. That's really awesome. And I think that what you basically did is you applied all the great skills you learned as a product manager to identify a potential problem and some insights around a problem for a particular user. And then to, through an iterative, iterative process, develop a product and bring it to market that now people are able to take advantage of, and that solves a particular challenge that they have. And as someone who also does quite a few informational interviews and talks to a lot of students, I, I definitely can see the value in something like this, you know, particularly as students who are career switchers are trying to ramp fast on learning a new function, a new industry, or even if they do know about it, there are so many things that you have to kind of learn through that initial exploration and research process that there's a lot of value in you know having a resource like this and i you know i think the the thing that really is to me in addition to having all these great experts um, speak about their experience and kind of share their perspective i think what's also helpful and i what i hope students do when they as a result are able to do as a result of this i you know for me at least the best um the best informational interviews i have with students are when they can ask thoughtful questions and honestly the way you ask thoughtful questions is by looking at these types of resources. Uh, because generally speaking, if you can start asking a second or third order question, it means you understand the fundamentals and the basics. And as you kind of evolve and learn more about digital health, you know, by the time you have your 10th your informational interview, hopefully the types of questions that you're asking are gonna be very, much more advanced um, than when you first started. And that's what helps you kind of get those breakthroughs of understanding, what is this thing? How am I a fit for it? What kind of roles could I do if I were to pursue this? What would it take for me to be a great candidate? Who are the types of companies that I want to recruit for? So I, I think there's an absolutely a great need for what you're working on. So it's just a, just a thought as I think about, you know, all the conversations that I have with students. Well, thanks, Al. And for those who are interested, it's healthtechhunches.com. Health tech's another word for digital health. Yeah, yeah, that's great. And so that was basically what I was going to ask you next was just, where can we find more? So it's just healthtechhunches.com and where they can 
they can go there and start uh, start learning more. Is, is there anything else? I think you have a newsletter too as well. Is that right? That's a great point. Yeah. So, you know, if you go to the website, you can see videos on demand. They're already there for a number of people. We'll be adding uh, professionals weekly throughout the fall. And we're also hosting those webinars, those Ask Me Anything webinars throughout the fall. So, you know, as you mentioned, I would sign up for the newsletter because that's where we're announcing when people are added and when those webinars um, are hosted. Well, great. You well, find that on the site. You can find the link on the site. Well, great. Well, Carolyn, uh, thank you so much for joining today, uh, for sharing a little bit about your background, your journey to Fuqua, as well as talking about digital health and health tech hunches. Really appreciate you uh, jumping on the podcast. Well, thank you, Al, for having me. Uh, really appreciate the opportunity. Hi, everyone. Al D here. And thank you so much for listening to the MBA Insider Podcast. If you liked what you heard, make sure to head over to Apple Podcasts and to write a review. It will only take 15 seconds. I'd also love to hear what you've been listening to on the podcast and any suggestions you have for how we can improve. Find me on LinkedIn or head over to mbaschooled.com backslash podcast.